Hello, and welcome to Life Lessons from a Total Failure, the podcast, a show that shares stories from passionate people living life on their own terms, and one that reminds us how life's failures and struggles are just the plot twists needed in our own personal stories to help us get to where we were meant to be. I'm your host, MJ Doherty. How many times have you thought about something you would love to do in your life, but simply push it out of your mind because you felt that ship had sailed? Those pesky voices in our head tell us, way too old to do that now, or if only I did this when I was a little bit younger, I totally would be into this. Well, newsflash, age is a state of mind, and you're only as old as you think you are. I remember being in my late 20s and thinking, I need to get my life straightened out ASAP because I'm getting way too old to be goofing off now. In my 30s, I think how silly it was to think that way in my 20s, because as I see 40 approaching, 20s just seems like an extension of my childhood. I'm assuming that when I'm in my 40s, I'll think the same way about myself in my 30s. Again, age is just a state of mind, and really, you're only as old as you decide you want to be. You could be 50 in Act 20, or 20 in Act 50. Both ways of thinking can bring advantages and disadvantages. But one thing I think is critical to remember about age is that it is never too late to start doing something that you love, and that you can teach an old dog new tricks. At 35, most people think I'm insane to even attempt trying to succeed in Hollywood, but that's their issue and not mine. I know now that some of us just need a little more time to figure out who we are and what we want to be when we grow up. My guest today wasn't quite as old as me when he decided to start a new life in La La Land, but he was certainly way more distinguished. After putting the time in to become a doctor, he realized it was laughter and not prescriptions that he needed to dish out to truly be who he was meant to be. As a comic, actor, host, and reality star, Matt Eisman puts his humor and positivity into all that he does, and it certainly has not failed him yet. It really is a pleasure to have this fascinating guy here with me today. Matt, thank you so much for being my guest. It's my pleasure, MJ. It's always always interesting to talk uh, to talk about how people get to where they are in life. Because I think that's one of the questions people always have, I think, when they look at uh, people's successes or even their failures, is trying to figure out what can I learn from someone else. Or at least I think... That's, that's an intelligent way to do it. Like you can right. learn so much from someone else's journeys, even if it's in a completely different destination or direction from you. I think that you learn so much when you hear what people have gone through. And sometimes there's this misconception. I think in Hollywood is the prime example oh, Hollywood. <laughs> of, of the 15 year overnight success where somebody explodes and they're on two or three things and someone's like, man, they're so lucky. But they don't see the 15 years they spent toiling yeah. in obscurity. It's that whole iceberg effect. You know, yeah. you see the very top, but you have no idea how far down And it how goes. much work really goes into it to making it all happen. And people, people often forget that work. I, well, the other thing that I think that's surprising, and this has been one of the great things on American Ninja Warrior that we've seen. You know, obviously, it's a show about obstacles, literally. But I think metaphorically, the obstacles that these people overcome in their lives are why the show really resonates. When you hear these stories of people like Lance Picas, the cowboy ninja, whose um, wife is battling multiple sclerosis. And it was something we didn't know. You know, the, the diagnosis had been made years ago, and he only chose to share it with us. And you see this guy who's out there competing, who's putting a brave face on, not realizing that at home he's watching his wife physically fall apart with two young kids. Right. And, you know, the courage of him to share this struggle with the public while he's out there. But to me, what I, what you see is, I think people always pictured this strong cowboy with a six pack, like what a guy, but you never know what people are going through. And I think the courage of people to share their stories, good and bad, 
makes people sitting at home going, that could never be me, or people don't know what I'm going through. You don't feel so alone. I mean, even if it's not specifically your story, someone who's has a loved one who's fighting a disease or is in a situation that, that is less than ideal, when you see someone who you admire, like Lance Picus, and you say, wow, he's going through this, maybe maybe it gives me the courage to to fight a little harder too. Right, and then you know that you know even though he's gone through a lot of struggles and he's dealing with things, He's still living a life, too. Yeah. And that's, you know, my whole thing is that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what has happened or what's on the horizon, you know, it's okay. You'll, it's okay. You'll, you'll, you'll be fine. You just have to keep a calm head and learn how to just navigate through it. So this is, you know, what my whole life has been about that since I wrote the book and, you know, I went through my trauma and drama. And then I wrote the book not because I wanted to be this, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning writer. Right. I wrote it because I wanted people to realize that if I screwed up, so extremely and my life has been so crazy but i'm i'm you know relatively happy now right you can be too and it's not rocket science it's just one foot in front of the, in front of the other and stopping to be real with ourselves and checking in with our life and i think it gets harder in this social media age where you know you have this selection bias of what do people put on facebook they put on you know the photos of them smiling the photos on vacation and you see and to, to everyone we all assume we see everyone else's the outside of their life we don't see their inside struggles and so i think it is great when people share when people share like yeah man you know what this this was really hard or i am going through a, a tough place and people feel not so alone everybody i i think it's so human to have doubts and fears and failures and we all very often try to put a brave face and I think societally we tend to not discuss it as much as probably we should for our own yeah. health. And this is my this is my life's journey is to tell yeah. people, listen, if there's one thing all human beings can connect on, it's screwing up and failing. Yes. And having issues. So why do we try to push them aside and pretend like everything's okay? And I mean, I certainly did that. I would rather people think that I was fine and dandy and everything was swell in my life while I was at home not able to get out of bed, right. dodging creditors and, you know, planning out my checkout from this world. I mean, that was what was really going on. And now I think, how silly, you know? Right. It would have been so easy just to talk to people. And just by talking to people, they could have maybe given me the information or the help that I needed to get where I needed to go. And I also think there's something about just speaking it, just saying your fears out loud and admitting it that takes a lot of the power away. That this, it's this thing you walk around with and you thought if people knew my fear or my failure, that they would look at me differently. And you say it and people are like, oh, okay. Hey, man. Well, you know what? Good good, good luck. You're like, they don't care. You know, yeah. They don't care. They don't judge you. Everyone has their own issues. I, I mean, I think, I, I, I don't know where I was just reading this, how someone said that, that even when you're on stage speaking and you feel like all the focus is on you, Everyone else is still thinking about them, how your talk impacts them. One of the things I, I, I watch a reality show called Big Brother. And reality TV is obviously very much in quotes in most of right. And most of Hollywood. One of the things I love about it, though, is that there are cameras on these people 24-7. And I think it's such a great sociological experiment to just watch people and, and to watch them where it's not just being produced or the Kardashians of, hey, getting a fight over the tanning booth is out of tanning spray. But to see people, <laughs> to see people in a difficult situation and just to see how their mind works and how paranoia forms. And, you know, I, I often look at it as I think this game show is, is something that we do to ourselves where we're, we're in a situation, you audition for something and you don't get it and you immediately assume 
the worst in the absence of information oftentimes you don't assume you know what they love me so much they're they're figuring out a seven contract dealer or they felt they couldn't afford me or something it's i suck i right. will never work again yeah and we tend to we tend to kind of find these negative negative uh, outlooks on things and i think so much of it you realize is just one well, of these cliches of uh it's not what happens to you it's it's how you perceive it and and I look at Ninja Warrior and see, I think it's a great show for that because we've now had 3,500 competitors. Tonight's the finale. We have 41 more athletes and wow. two people have completed the course. Yeah. <laughs> Every single other person has fallen and, but they haven't failed. Right. And what, what, one of the cool things with the show is we see success defined in different ways. Some people can last, a, you know, a single obstacle on the course and have it be the biggest win Daniela Bright, this girl who is battling stage three uh, breast cancer and is bedridden in chemotherapy, said, if I ever get get over this, I want to compete on Ninja Warrior. The next season, she's on the starting line. Goes down to the very first step. But she was there. But she smiles. Yeah. And you're like, wow, you just see kind of this perspective of sometimes, you know what, there, there are victories to be had in life when you look for them in the right way. And a lot of it is just just getting back up and, and continuing to move forward. Another part of it is knowing that the path that you take may not be the one that you were laying out for yourself. It may twist and turn, which right. which will get me to, to right. this subject. So tell us, you've had some twists and turns in your life. So tell us a little bit about you. Who are you? Where are you from? So, tell me all that stuff. So I grew up in Colorado. and As he uh, sports the Colorado hoodie. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. And uh, always played sports in high school, never did anything entertainment related. And was a good student and just kind of assumed I was going to go to college, get a job, have, have a family, have a life. Right. That that was just that was sort of what people did. And so I ended up going to college and then my brother graduated. He was two years older than me and he didn't know what he wanted to do. And I started to sit down and think, what am I going to do with my life? And I thought, I love science. I'm good at it. I like people. I saw my dad was a doctor. He loved his job. He had satisfaction. I thought medicine is the perfect career for me. So I go through the pre-med recs, um, go to medical school and get my MD and I'm in residency um, in internal medicine and I just kind of have this epiphany one night about this is the perfect job for me on paper, but my heart is not in this. And I just had had this sinking suspicion and it it was this feeling of, okay, I can handle this. I, can, I, I know I can work hard and I know I can put up with difficulty, but I just started to have this realization of people's lives are going to be in my hands. And I don't want to feel like I am, am not doing everything I can to give them the care that they deserve. And I started to have this guilt that I was just pretending to be a doctor and that I didn't belong there and that I was going to, I just had this fear that someone's life was going to be compromised because I wasn't passionate enough and I would have this tremendous, this guilt. And I was just playing these scenarios. And it just got to the point where I said, I can't do this. Not only for me, because like I, I thought I can, I can, I, you know, I can work hard and, yeah. and feel you like I could press it. through. It's just not and I wouldn't right. have been happy, but, but, but I just felt like, my God, these patients deserve better. So that was when I decided that I was going to take a year off from medicine and kind of reevaluate. Now, I'm going to pause you right here because how old were you when this was happening? 27, 28. Okay, so 27. Yeah. You've already gone through school. Yes. And medical school. Yes. And now you're thinking this isn't right for and you. And now it, right. Right. So here's a perfect prime example of, uh-oh, 
you probably had some panicking going on. Like, what did I do? I'm 27 and I just wasted all this time. Totally, totally. And I and I felt like, you know, my dad's a doctor. I'm a prof- He's a professor at the University of Colorado where I'm doing residency. So I'm seeing my parents all the time. And my dad loves his job yeah. and couldn't be more proud to have his son following in his footsteps. No pressure there at all. <laughs> and and to his credit, like he'd never, he'd never said you should be a doctor and none of that. It was more just he led by example. I saw, I have such respect for my dad and I saw... You know, he was, he's beloved by his patients and I, I, I think he, he was an excellent doctor because he was passionate about it. And I, and I think I wanted to be that, but then I realized I'm just, that's not me. And that was, it was, it was a hard realization, but the, the, once I made that realization, yeah, I'm like, I can't lie. This, right. I, this isn't meant for me, but it was really hard to then sit him down and tell him because I felt like I was going to be letting my parents down. And so often we do things not, you know, where we worry about what other people think. And obviously, you know, of course you want your parents approval, but it was, it took about probably two and a half, three months for me to work up the courage from when I realized I have to do something about this to sitting my dad down and saying, I'm thinking of taking a break from medicine. I just, I want to try something completely different. And I'd done stand up a couple of times. I just said, I'm, I'm thinking of moving out to LA oh, to try stand up comedy only imagine for a year. Was, so was he supportive? Well, or did he look the, at you like you're crazy? The first words out of his mouth were, life is short, do what makes you happy. Amazing, man. And and it was funny. It was one of those things that, uh, I don't know what I expected him to say. I, my dad's a very philosophical, thoughtful guy. He's a, so, you know, not, poor kid growing up in Nebraska, very self-made man, worked, always wanted to be a doctor and transformed himself into this amazing doctor and travels the world. And, and I think... I knew my mom, I thought my mom would be supportive. My mom would be like, just, you know, do whatever it is. But my dad, I thought, I thought there might be a little bit of, you know, in life, sometimes you got to suck it up and you just have to do it. You have to complete your responsibilities. And for him to have said, do what makes you happy. It was just such a, it was, it was such a weight off of my shoulders. Well, and it also goes to show you that sometimes we're living our life and trying to do things for other people because we think we should, but they don't think that. They don't we think just think that. they think that. We, and how, so, and we how put ourselves silly. in a yes. prison of something that may or may not even exist. Be real. And we do this all the time. It, it's you know, it's whether you're worried about what people think or what they're saying about you, or you know, if they if you did a good job or you didn't do a good job. Half the time, they're it, not thinking anything that you're thinking, but and it, you're just wasting your energy. It made me realize one of my great weaknesses is a fear of conflict. I grew up with an older brother who was who was tough, like a you know tough guy who kind of ruled the house and would yeah. would put me in my place. And so I learned, and I think that was why I liked comedy, was I learned, you know, if I stood up for myself, I'd get my ass kicked. I was not a great fighter. But if I could make him laugh, if I could deflect. Right. And so in my life, I know conflict is something I'm very averse to. And I've seen this pattern, you know, with, that's why it took three months instead of just saying, instead of being able to just have this discussion and be like, hey, maybe it's unpleasant, but we're going to talk. And it's one of those things where you, you know, one of the great values in life is to, is to at least be aware of what your weaknesses are. And to see, you know, when you see a scenario coming up going, this is a situation that's going to be difficult for me. How can I prepare for this? How can I, you know, renegotiating a contract, breaking up a relationship, whatever it is. There are certain things where I know this is not my skill set and I need to like gird for battle with those things. But it's always always interesting to me I think how invaluable it is when you start to realize and see the patterns of things that 
where I look back and I'm like, yeah, that I, I don't like conflict. And that's something I need to be aware of because otherwise you get taken advantage of or a situation happens and you're left going, I should have said something there and I didn't. And now I'm really mad and I should have said something. Right. And if you don't realize, you're just doomed to do the loop over right. and over and over again. And that's why... I always look at failure and as I talk to people about failure and issues as these like wake up calls as times to really examine what it is that you do to make these things happen right. because you do play a role in it. Yes. And you probably are doing the same thing that's creating these patterns over and over and over again. And once you can recognize these things, well, then you can, you know, navigate easier because you know what to do to make you succeed in the way you want to succeed. Absolutely. I, I think it's... Uh... It really is amazing, right, what, what, what you're able to do. And I look at it so much in this terms, you know, mindset or, or kind of these self-conversations you can have or, or even homework when you get into situations of practicing these things. And I look at it as it's the same as performing where so often, you know, it's like acting class or stand-up comedy. There's no substitute for doing it. So when you have some issue in your life, one of the best things you can do is to repeatedly Deal with right. It. Deal with it over and over, and get better. And eventually, <laughs> you know, and and it can be hard, and it can be oh my god, it's as tough as as I thought it was every time. But it's that skill of you know doing it and going okay, I didn't die, right? And maybe something positive came out of this. So all right, so you had a fear of conflict. It took you three months. You yeah. told your your dad. You told your parents. And they were like, go with our blessing. Go with our blessing. And then, and so packed up it just truck, rolled up to L.A. or moved what? Moved out to L.A. This was, you know, the internet was in its infancy. So I had grabbed the L.A. Weekly. Got here September 199. I just grabbed the L.A. Weekly. I found the open mics. Started going to the open mics. I was, you know, doing busy work to pay bills. And then I stumbled into, I had a friend who was on the Drew Carey show. And they needed a baseball extra. And I played baseball in college. For a scene. And so I went to this, you know, you get, that was my first paycheck and it was whatever scale minimum. But I met an agent there who repped every other baseball player um, that was on, that was on there. Right. I was just, I was the one person who was brought in as a friend. He goes, Hey, do you have, do you have an agent? I said, no. And he's the next day he started submitting me for commercials. Amazing. And within like a couple weeks I booked commercials. And so I was now on, I, I got on like three national commercials within my first three months of it. Which if people listening don't, know how the commercial world works um you book a national commercial when you're here and you're poor as hell it, it is the best thing in the world because they're good money they're hard to get into not as much and anymore but back yeah, i then, mean it, it really, was like six figures almost whoa. guaranteed for a commercial yeah. okay it's not that much anymore but it's still it really was good money amazing yeah so you you must have then felt like okay this was right for me totally and and it was it was it was interesting because Stand-up wise, I'm going out and I'm bombing. I'm, I'm going to the open mics. I'm not doing well because I'm I'm a young comic. But on stage, I felt alive. I felt at home. I felt like this is what I'm meant to do. And then getting the commercials financially said allowed me to say now I can. I'm, I'm making five or six times what I was making as a resident. So I'm like, this is absolutely now. You know, you because I came out here. You 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 do need to kind of have these. It's, it, it can be such a nebulous career that you need to kind of have some check marks or, or ways to say, is this realistic? You know, to be, to be realistic with yourself, am I making progress and figure out some semi-objective of markers to say, is this something I should stay at right. doing? And so, you know, when, getting when, commercials, when do we say money, enough is enough? Enough is enough and yeah. you know what, this isn't working, go home. Right. Um, and so it was really good to have that success early on and to just feel like 
I found what I was meant to do and I never, never looked back. And it was just this thing of, I still, you know, I, I, every time I go to Ninja Warrior or I'm, I'm, I'm doing stand-up comedy, I'm like, I love what I do. I love being on stage. And we often, you know, we, the job, we're, when we're working, that's not the work. The, the job is getting the job. Right. It's when you're unemployed. It's when you're thinking you're never going to get hired again. That's work. But when we actually get the opportunity to act, to tell jokes, to host a show, for, for most of us, I think that's the that's time. Just, we that's feel, fun. It's fun. It is so much yeah. fun. It really is amazing to get to be around like a production and feel like, this whole thing is is all around us and we're we're entertaining people and then you know like last night we're at the Emmys and the show is is nominated for an Emmy and you're hanging out I, w- I saw Jeffrey Tambor and Stanley Tucci and Gary Cohen and we're all like sitting right next to each other and I'm just like gentlemen how are you know which by the way I was stalking his Twitter and watching him and all I kept thinking was oh my god I can't believe he's there he's gonna be at my house tomorrow he's, oh, I just want to like rub his shoulder I, and be like oh you're at the Emmy I'm such a fanboy that, like, me too me, I'm such a fanboy I would cry of these I, like I made the decision that I will be there next year I will I'll figure it out and I will cry the whole time because to me this is like. It's part of the whole getting, you know, those milestones. Yeah. I'm here because I want to do stuff like that. Yes. So I'm going to do it. And I, I think the milestones and, and kind of like what you brought up about knowing when to look at the signs to say is enough enough or you keep going. People hear the negative, right? Yeah. And sometimes forget the positive really quickly. And then in, in the acting world, you know, you're told no way more than you're told yes. Yes. So it's very easy for people to close up shop and head home. Head home. Mm-hmm. And... One of the things that I talk about a lot, and and I really believe that in life in general, if you're doing something that you know that you feel in the pit of your stomach is right, then it really doesn't matter what other people are saying, yep. or if you're not on the timeline that you want to be on, or you know you could push through those those you know milestones that you feel like you should be having, but but you aren't having yet. You you keep going because you know in the pit of you it's right and. I owned a bar at 27 years old, and I thought I was the coolest thing ever. In the pit of my stomach, never once did I feel like this was me. This was what I should be doing. Here, I'm still scrambling to try to, you know, pay my credit card bills. And if I'm told that I'm either too fat, too old, or too gay one more time, I will, you know, probably just tattoo it on me somewhere. But I hear it, and I'm like, eh. Oh well, I'm still doing this because this is right for me. You're absolutely right, and that's and that's one of the and it's funny because as I looked at my objectives that my, my that I'd initially set, some of them I got a good lesson from an acting class, uh, Leslie Kahn, who I just I think the world of because I think she's such a pragmatist when it comes to this profession. Um, and and the thing is, so many people I think you know want it to happen but aren't willing to work for it to happen. And Leslie is one of those people who's like, you know, you you put in the 10,000 hours. But one of the things she says about auditions that was so liberating is it's not your job to book the gig. You have no control over that. When you go in there, you have no idea what they're looking for or what they're saying behind. All you can do is go in there and do everything you want to do and leave everything you have. And if you do that, then it doesn't matter whether you get the job or not because that's beyond your control. And that was one of those lessons that in Hollywood is so hard because we take it personally. Like you said, you're going to get told no 99 times out of 100. And having been on both sides of the casting equation and seeing sometimes walking out, that was the best person. Yep, but we're not going to cast them, are we? Nope. 
and they're never going to know why. No. And you see it where you just have to know, I'm, I, I, like you said, I love this journey and to know I'm working at it. That's one of the things where people can't just expect, I'm just going to be, you know, uh, a waitress and they'll discover me. It's, I am doing a podcast. I am creating my own shorts. I am working. I am making myself better. So when I get that opportunity, that's, that's one of the things I always told myself too. Like I still haven't been invited to Montreal just for life's comedy festival. I'm, I've been out here for 18 years and as a comedian, you know, I've never gotten that feather in my cap and it bothers me. But, but the, on the other hand, I say every year it doesn't happen. And every year that I work and get better is another year that I get stronger. So when I do get an opportunity, I would much rather have people go, where have you been? Right. Then get it too early and have people go, that was nice. Yeah. But you're forgettable. So it's that thing. It's having that patience and that mindset of if it doesn't happen right then, just say that's okay because I'm going to get better. Right. And the next time I'm going to make them notice. And you keep going because you know this is what you want. And, you know, we talk on this podcast a lot about the acting world because we're in L.A. Mm -hmm. But this I mean, this could be working in an office. You can you could work with someone who doesn't do a job as good as you do and they pass you over and it can be extremely frustrating. So then people say, well, when you're in that situation, I mean, what do you do? Like you're stuck. Well, no, you're not. You can think, is this job really what gets me going? Is right. this what makes me happy? And if it is, then you redouble your effort to get to where you're going. And if not, maybe it's looking elsewhere for for something to fulfill what you want, either another job or going doing stand up after work or doing a marathon running and learning how to put all of you into something that really gives you something back. And I, th- I think one of the, the thing the, you, you really talked about something that I think is so key there. That's one of the hardest things. And that is being um, accurate uh, about your abilities and, and not just your perception, but ad- admitting what other people see in you. And sometimes we see ourselves as the most talented, like I'm going to be the next Will Ferrell or something. But it's one of those lessons of it almost doesn't matter how you see yourself. You, you also have to you also have to be aware of how people see you. So if you're in that work situation, you're like, I'm working twice as hard as that person, but they get the promotion. To a certain extent, you, you can be upset and say that person's an idiot, but sometimes you need to say, well, what are they doing that I'm not? And what feedback can I get from my boss? What could I be doing differently? Maybe, maybe I think I'm working twice as hard, but they don't like what I'm doing. And it's, it's sometimes you need to get this hard feedback that can really, you know, be open to hearing this thing of you're too old, you're too fat, you're too gay. Yep. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, yep, okay, that's how you see me. Right. So either I need to write something for myself or find a way to convince you that I am just the right age for this thing. But it, it's, 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 and sometimes they're wrong and sometimes you just yeah, throw it away. It, it, but exactly. I always think it's, it's one of those things where we need to be willing to get tough, tough criticism and to be real and say, look, am I, am I really getting better at this? Am I really good at this? Or is there another approach? Is there something else I should be doing? And I think you constantly have to be tending to it. This, this career is a journey and it is always, I mean, it is such a, Unlike any other career, I think we're constantly tending to ourselves in terms of physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, skill-wise. And if you're not getting better, you're eventually going to get passed by. And I, I just think it's 
It's it's the mental toughness. You know, I look at Kim Kardashian is someone who, I don't know, it's been 11 years, whatever that show's been on, and people may, may or may not like her, but the thing I will give her credit for is they've made themselves relevant for over a decade. And love them or hate them, I'm like, they are doing something people are responding and to. And that wasn't by mistake. Right. They are actually working. And, and they are, to be that relevant for that long and to keep that machine going, they have to be on all the time and they all, have to be and and a Kardashian note on the side. I used to be the biggest eye roller of the Kardashians. Right. And then I got to go to Dancing with the Stars and be my friend was doing casting and I it, it was when Rob was on and it was the VIP table and they uh-huh. needed someone to sit at the VIP table. So I kept going. They are the nicest. I mean, those girls, I'm not gonna talk about the mom. Right. Those girls were the nicest, kindest people. All the other celebrities that you don't even know who they are wouldn't even look at you. Right? They're, how are you? You don't. So that's also something to be said about about life. You know, you work really hard, but if you could also be good to people along the way, yeah. Well, then you kind of get what you deserve. And it's it's also rarely is it a zero sum game. Rarely is it it's you or this other person. You know, and and only one of you will ever succeed. There's so many, there's so much room in this town. There's so much room for creativity. So rather than being bitter at someone's success or jealous of a friend to say, what can I, what, what have they done? What is it that set them apart? And that's why I think, you know, it's always fascinating for me to hear from a YouTube sensation or someone. I, I, I met with uh, Logan Paul, a guy who's, you know, millions of followers, millions of views on every video. And he came out to Ninja Warrior and I saw this guy for about seven hours he was shooting with four or five different cameras. He was shooting, you know, his vlog cast. He was shooting a how-to. He was shooting something for BuzzFeed. He was shooting something for us. And I'm like, a lot of people just see the videos and the fun. They don't see that this guy is a dawn till dusk. He's planning this stuff. He's working so hard because he knows you go a week without posting videos, people forget you. Right. And so I, I think sometimes people don't see the hard, again, they, you know, the tip of the iceberg, they, they don't see this 15 year overnight success or they, they see the seven minutes. They don't see the other 23 hours and 53 minutes of hard work and slaving and doubt and, and, and effort that people put into it that this, you know, people think this career is, is fun, but you do, you have to work to get it's, it's a tremendous amount of work. And the other thing with this career, like other careers in which you work, work for yourself, when you work for yourself, you never actually can turn off. Yeah. Because your brain is still going like, yes. oh, I should be doing this. I should have done that. I need to call this person. I need to email this person. Yes. I mean, just this little podcast that I decided I was going to do. And so far, it's been tremendously successful. And I'm so happy because I love doing it. But it takes hours and hours yeah. and hours to find emails, to reach out to people, to book guests. Then I have to try to edit. I don't know how to edit. Right. I'm not a techie. And I'm watching YouTube videos. And I'm reading because... I just got to do it, you know, and it's it's one of these things that it is such a daunting, time consuming, lack of sleep life. But I love every minute of the well, the time that I'm doing it. And so here's who cares? the thing. Here's the thing I look at where, you know, for where I always tell people too, when they do these projects on their own and they're like, you know, we got seven views. It's it was a complete waste of time. No, it wasn't. Right. Do you know how much you learned from that? And and to me, it's that thing of every experience you do, every podcast, every interview, every shoot you're on, you bring with you. So that when you get to some place, you feel like there's nothing they can throw at me that I haven't experienced, that I haven't felt, that I haven't done, that I'm not ready for. Yeah. And and so much of it is, again, I, I just see people who sit around, 
who are like, I'm talented, I'm going to be discovered. Right. Nothing happens yes. sitting on your couch. Right. So say yes. Say yes to these ridiculous projects. Say yes to getting out there to a class. Say yes to getting better. And say yes to failing. Say yes to embarrassing yourself and, and trying these things because you just look at it and it's it's so great. So, so I got to do Celebrity Apprentice. And I looked at it and it was it was such a different challenge than anything I'd done. But I felt like everything I'd done in my life to that point came into play. Like from playing sports to being I a do doctor, want to point out to being though a stand-up comedian. The guy who recognizes that he doesn't like conflict did celebrity. Well, and so here's the thing, like on that show, I really I was one who avoided con- and I was lucky because the the new boss was much yeah. less more conflict averse. But it was one of those situations where I knew, look, I'm the least famous person. I'm going to be the value add. I really got into, it wasn't even an argument. I had to go toe-to-toe with Leila Ali. But it was one of those things where I'd felt like I can state my case here. And at the end of it, we shook hands. Right. And so it was, I was worried going into it because I, I saw the previous season. And I think it was Kenya Moore and Brandy Glanville and, and Geraldo Rivera. And they were being a-holes, just screaming at each other and i thought i don't know what i'll do at this show i watched a, uh, maybe one or two episodes and yeah. it stressed me out I it, like, it did I and so <laughs> it was but it was fun for me because it was such a good opportunity to get to try to do these different brands our first challenge we have tyra makeup we end up putting tyra's makeup on in front of tyra and arnold schwarzenegger you just it was so cool to be like all right i'm gonna take a chance of embarrassing myself but at the same time I felt like all these years of performing and stand up and doing all these things, like I'm gonna, sh- I, I'm gonna also have a chance to shine. Yeah. And it's really cool, I think, when you feel when you're doing something and you feel like, you know, it's like you go to the gym and you're running and you're like, I'm in shape. It's, it's that feeling of when I'm <laughs> yeah, on stage. Yeah, I have that. I have that no, feeling no, no, but, all but, the time. But that feeling of literally when I was out there in the finale and I'm, I'm having to do this presentation after you know five weeks of work and I'm talking and it's. It's, you know, the head of the Carnival Cruise Lines and and Schwarzenegger and Caitlyn Jenner right. there and Tyra Banks and, all, and you know, uh, 500 people are in the crowd and I'm telling my story and I'm like, but this is what I'm meant to do. I'm right. meant to be on stage. And it was one of those moments where I just felt like it, it felt like it was all worth it. And and I felt like this is what I'm meant to do. I, I, I got the biggest opportunity. I ended up winning and it was so much fun to feel the work payoff and to have a moment where you're like, that's why it's worth it. Right. And, you know, I think I want to go back to something that you said, you said these, a lot of people in the entertainment world, again, will say, Oh, I did this project. Only seven people watched it, blah, blah, blah. But you know, in any kind of creative aspect of life, when you create something or you do something that's for the public, this happens, right? You can make an art project and, you know, people don't really like it or, you know, or maybe only three or four people say it's nice or you, you make crafts and go to a craft fair and only, you know, you sell two things. Right. It's not about how many people like it. It's about the people that do like it yeah. because you never know who those people are going to be. Right. And in my life, thank God I have a mother who insisted on me being nice at all times. And if I wasn't, she'd like kick me in the leg from under the table because it was all about being nice for me growing up. And when I was writing my book, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Right. I would be I was able to pick up the phone and call people from high school that I have not talked to since high school right. and be like, "Oh, hey, um I'm writing a book and they were there to help me." Right. And maybe I only sold, you know, a couple thousand books the first month. 
But from those thousand people, there were certain people in there that read the book that did things that changed my life. So it's not about quantity. It's about quality in every aspect of life. And that's the other thing, too, is it is a marathon. And be nice to people because you never know who that PA is going to become. Because it's the right thing to do. But also, also, you never know. It's and it's it's also and, and you see it. You remember the people who are nice to you. And when you have a chance to return a favor to somebody, all things being equal, you're like, you know what? I like that person. Yeah. They always why say, why am you know, I not going to call them? They're pleasant to work with. You know, they that saying, you won't remember what people say, but you'll remember how they made you feel. And, yeah. I, and I think that that is something that I really try to live my life by because I I use that and I know it's been a, something that people have used because of me and or, or for me. You know, they remember how I made them feel right. and then that, that's been a good thing for me. And I also think it's uh, when meeting people and moving in this this you know crazy Hollywood industry, um, that that feeling that you get and that from your gut, it's a really good guide to know who to align yourself with and who to yes. stay away from. Well, it is. I, I think this is such a subjective community on who's good, who's not. Who when you look at a role, there are so many people. People are like that's the only person who could have done it. But you know, in hindsight, there were probably a hundred people up for that role, and a lot of times it could have been a coin toss as to who they went with. Yeah. And and I just think of of. Being being someone who people want to work with. I mean, I look at my very first job was in 2004. My first hosting gig was on a show on E! called Screenplay. Lasted one season. But because the casting director liked me, she used me as a fill-in on a home makeover show for an episode that ended up turning into a five and a half year stint with like a 70, you know, we did a hundred episodes, 70 spinoff shows. We Is that did the Niecy Nash show? Niecy Nash show. Oh, yeah, I, I remember a, that I show. I was a two episode fill-in that got on there for five and a half years. Clean House? Clean House. Oh yeah, that was a great show. <laughs> yeah, we won a daytime Emmy for yeah. it. And that show helped me get Sports Soup, which helped me get American Ninja Warrior. So literally my first job, because the casting director liked me, pretty much led to the job I have now on American Ninja Warrior. And so, you know, you, you, any project you do, I, I always think you give your best, you work your hardest. And, you know, if it, if it doesn't go, it doesn't mean that it's not going to be productive. But you also say, all right, I always kind of look at, you know, doing stand-up comedy, the audience is always right. Like there are times when I'm like, this joke is funny, but they're not laughing. And I want to call them idiots, but they came there to laugh. Why aren't you laughing at but it's, my you know, intelligence? Again, sometimes it's fun to be like, okay, I can keep forcing this or I can say, let me try it a different way. Right. And, and let me see if I can reach them. And, and it's fun to sometimes rather than blaming people to say, what, what can I learn? How can I get better? And I think it's, it really is uh, the, the journey is more fun when you're feeling challenged and you're around people, I think who challenge you, but but you're right. There is a certain chemistry. I've got a guy, Matt Rogers, who I met on Hallmark, who I'm just like, I feel like I am my best, funniest self with him. And now right. I'm, I'm, I'm going around and I'm just like, I want to find a project with this guy because I think it'll be good. But more importantly, I'm going to love going to work with this guy yeah. every day. And, you know, it's, it's like dating or something. You meet someone in this career where you click, you know, you, you stay in touch and you help them and you try to work with them because uh, it's... It makes it's, you better. It's, it does. And you see this across the it board. Does. I mean, if, if people haven't noticed, Channing Tatum works with Jonah Hill a lot. Right. Seth Rogen works oh, Adam with... Adam Sandler Adam, brings all I his mean, friends. I mean, if you look, this right. is what you do because when you have chemistry and things work and you can have a positive environment, you 
you you keep that. You know, why would you stray from a good formula, you know? I, I really do believe it. I see it. I see it. It's, you know, particularly in comedy, but, you know, obviously in drama, Scorsese has his people, DiCaprio or whatever. But I think in comedy when you're like, yeah, these people make me my funniest. Yeah. I want to be around these people. And you're comfortable with them. Yeah. Which, when you're comfortable, you could be the best that you can be. Yeah. You know, I think that this episode of this podcast with you is really kind of focusing on two things that I, I really, I really love. And it's, you know, listening to your gut and doing what you know is right for you. Yeah. Because I, I really think that's something that a lot of people don't do. They don't listen to themselves. Yeah. And that's a shame. And I know that my whole life wouldn't have been the disaster that it was <laughs> for the first, you know, chapter if I had listened to my, my gut. I mean, I also am very glad everything happened the way it happened because right. it got me here. But the other thing is the taking the risks. You know, people fear change. They fear risks and they don't want to make leaps a lot. But it's the leaps that get you to much bigger heights. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I have no idea how to do a podcast. I have no idea how to write a book. Right. I have no idea how to act. But I'm doing all three. But you're doing (laughs) it. And, And it's making my life so much more rewarding because I know inside me I'm supposed to do something in this field and and do something bigger. So I have to get it out however way through how many channels I can to get to that ultimate and goal. And I also look at it as cross-training. Like, I loved acting. I, I don't do a lot of it, but I just thought some of the lessons of the, you know, just having a thought and listening to people, it helps with hosting, which helps with stand-up, which helps with improv. You know, all of these things, it's, it's, it's kind of this classical education where – where, you know, if you want to be an actor, I think it helps to do stand-up. It helps to do improv. It helps to do these things because you just learn different muscles. And we take from these things and we take from the risks of, yeah, there are times when you're terrified to go out on stage. And like, you know, Apprentice was great. I hit a home run. But there have been plenty of times I've gone out on stage and bombed right. and eaten my nuts and just had that time <laughs> where you're like, okay, I never want to do it again. But then the next morning you wake up, what can I learn from it? I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to quit. And it's American Ninja Warrior where, look, it's only a failure if you fall and don't get back up. Right. You know, every time I go to a red carpet and then I see myself on the the wire, Getty Images, and I'm pouring sweat and my hair is matted to the front of my face and I look, you know, like a sphere because <laughs> compared to everybody else there, I want to cry. And yet I then I get an email saying, we'd love to have you for this red carpet. And I'm like. Okay. Okay. Like, I mean, like, I'm going to go again because you know what? It is what it is. I'm doing the best I can, and it's what I want to do, and I'll get there. It's and, a journey. And look, you know, how many people look like Channing Tatum? Right. You know, and, and you look at these people, and I, I think people who – I look at Chrissy Metz, and this is us, and what, you know, what a quote-unquote revolutionary thing this been is for a woman who is – Average, you know, who is, as America goes, uh, yes. a plus size, like a, right. she is an American woman. And and that we treat it as this, this amazing. Brave thing right. that we're, they're casting and, someone and who looks like, like a lot of the population. And, and, and she's great. You know, she's great. She's so talented. But I just feel like, I think there's so much courage in just being yourself and being the honest, which is. And, and I'm the first to admit it. It is one of the hardest things to do is to truly be naked and honest. But people respond to the authenticity. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think that that's true. And the more and I tell myself this a lot, you know, when I'm doing the podcast or when I'm out doing a red carpet or, you know, I'm doing a radio show or a TV interview. 
sometimes I want to pull back on my personal opinions or my personal thoughts because it's such a crazy, you know, climate out there right now in in the world. But then I also realize I have to be who I am because if I'm not actually being the real me, I'm not going to fool anybody. Right. And I'm going to go nowhere. Right. So it is. It's a balance. And it's it's always it takes a lot of work. But, you know, I, I really find your progression fascinating because in L.A., in the entertainment industry, people, you know, there's like this hierarchy of things, you know, people. Well, it's changing, but it always was, you know, I want to be a movie star. Right. And that was number one. And then number two, people were like, I want to be in TV. I want to be an actor. And I'm always like, well, I just want to be myself. Right. I want to be a host. I want to have a talk show. Right. I want to be me. I want to be the best me that I can be to help people be the best them that they are. And I never wanted to be in movies Mm -hmm. because, you know, I always say, you see a movie star on the side of the street and what do you do? You like whisper to your friend, oh my God, that's so-and-so. You see a TV personality on the street, you want to run over and take them to the cafe to have coffee with them. That's the kind of person I want to be in people's lives, you know? And you... You're kind of everywhere. And I love how you said that, oh, I was the least, uh, least famous person on, a, on The Apprentice. That's not true. I mean, well, it, you're, the ho- you're, you're a home and family, Hallmark home and family yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, you did uh, Clean House. Yeah. American Ninja Warrior is on its ninth season. It's right. It's, it, it's been great. And it's, it is, I think, um, yeah, I came out, I thought I was going to be a world famous stand-up comedian. And then I thought maybe a movie star, and then maybe a TV star. And I kind of, you know, again, my career has happened bit by just by saying yes right. to things, to everything. And to, you know, starting off with a game show that led to a home makeover show where I thought, you know, I I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, spoiler alert, I wasn't a contractor. But they, <laughs> you were but like, said, there's you know, already someone who they, moves that bus. Like, they, they already say, have a tie. Know, honestly, they said, look, we don't need someone who can hammer now. We need someone who can talk to people. I'm like, that I can do. And it's just been this thing of, I, I think for me, I've, I'm an enthusiastic guy and I've been lucky enough or it's attracted jobs where they want someone enthusiastic like home and family or like ninja warrior and it's and my stand-up you know i tend to be a very positive enthusiastic guy and i think the greatest you know the the most fun i have is just when when they're like we just go be you yeah go go have fun go be goofy go do that because you know being a doctor i've i've been offered a couple medical shows and i'm like i don't want to be the serious doctor talking about you have cancer and this is melanin right. you know what i mean like i'll talk about some of the facts but i always want to be like hey this is what you can do though as as the lay person because i don't want to be that i left medicine for a reason right. i want to be the comedian i want to be the guy who's having a fun time you want to deliver laughs, not bad news. I do. <laughs> you know? I do. And that's okay. We need doctors. We need these people in life that, you know, give us reality checks. But they're just as important as the people that make us laugh and take us out Alec of reality. Alec Baldwin said it last night. Like, when, you know, when people die, they don't think of, uh, they don't think of a job. Bills that pass or, or Supreme yeah, they, Court. They, right. They think they, of a poem. A they poem think of a, or something. I mean, I don't know how we know that because they're dead. I know. But I like the thought of Me it. Me too. And I think, I think there's, he's onto something. It's, it's true. But, you know, we need, we need people to be themselves and be authentic. And, and I think that Hollywood in particular is really turning towards the people in its own industry that are that way. And what's funny is I think social media and particularly podcasts have given such a voice to it and people now see the authenticity. And I think it's it puts the pressure then on on other 
properties to say we need that that's what we need people are responding to this things like you know mark Marin or joe rogan or Stan, well, Stanhope, you know, is, is a little bit out there, but some of these people who I think, you know, would have been considered dark or edgy, but who found an audience because I think they're just unabashedly themselves. Right. And people respond to that real authenticity. Yeah. And, you know, people, I have gotten the feedback that I'm too, it's too like squeaky, squeaky clean. It's too positive. It's not real. And my whole thing is, listen, my life is real. Right. Let me tell you how real my life right. is. But I don't need to focus on telling everybody about every single screw up and every terrible thing that's happening in my life. Right. What I want to focus on, what, what I want to do is I want to take the nuggets that I'm learning and the, the positive things that are happening right. and put that out there. Because right. to me, that's more important. As people become comfortable in their own skin, they'll know how they want to be perceived by others. Mm-hmm. And for me... I've decided that this is how I want to be. Right. And this is how I want to be remembered. This is this is how totally. this is the me that I, I feel is me. I so agree with that. And that's funny because I, I we see this in comedy a lot where, where we go through stages. And when, you know, there was probably like that seven, eight years ago, comedy was getting pretty alt and dark. And there were a lot of comics, you know, it was the rape baby AIDS thing where it was just anything to shock people. Yeah. And now there were comics who were doing it who that was authentically kind of the way their mind worked. And, and, and I think like here, here was the thing. The audience could tell which of the people were saying these things because they just had these dark thoughts that they found the humor in. And they could tell the other people who were like, well, I'm just going to say this to shock people. Right. But it wasn't them. And so, you know, for me, I've always been like a clean, goofy comic. And I, I'll go into a room and I, I I tried doing a roast once and I bombed because I was trying to be the roast guy and the asshole. And I'm like, I, I couldn't do it. I'm not comfortable. I wasn't funny at it. I felt bad and everyone could tell. And so I think that's one of those things of, you know, be who you are and don't change who you are. And and I, I, I think of, what was it? Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I, I, I love that movie. And Jason Siegel, you know, the, the Russell Brand character initially was supposed to be a like a Tooley British professor. Right. But he auditioned as the rock star. He this just went off script and they were just like, that's the guy. That's the guy. Because yeah. he was just like, I'm just going to be, I'm going to give you 100% me. And right. you're going to love me. And it doesn't, that doesn't not, that does not need to be just this industry or this profession. This translates into every human being on this planet. Um, I go and I talk to to colleges and high schools and I talk to kids and I let them know the sooner they learn who they are and decide that they are okay with who they are and they are going to be who they are meant to be, the more people are going to respect them, the more they're going to be leaders, the more their life is going to come to fruition the way it's supposed to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Because that is the ultimate responsibility and some people find this controversial, which I think is funny. I believe it's the ultimate responsibility for a human being is to be who you were meant to be and bring whatever that is that makes you on the inside out. Mm-hmm. Have kids, be successful, be a philanthropist, be an athlete, do all those things, but really be you. Right. Because if you are not, then you have failed at your journey on this planet. Whether you believe God made you that way, right. well, if God made you that way specifically, you need to bring that out because he made you that way to be that person. Right. Whether you believe this is a cosmic coincidence that we're here, 
Well, what an amazing coincidence. Be this person that you were meant to be. And, and I think it's so liberating when we worry about the judgment of others, but you realize it's your own judgment that usually holds you back. Absolutely. And like when you cast it off, I mean, for me, again, I just remember the feeling of having told my dad and when he said, go, go with my blessing, go. It was this feeling of my greatest worry was something that didn't exist. It was this thing. It was my fear of his judgment of me. And just that feeling of like, I, I was like a bird. I was like coming out here and, you know, again, I was bombing on standup, but I was so happy because I just felt like I'm pursuing something that I love. And to have that feeling is invaluable because it's so hard to go through life when you are the one holding yourself back. And I know not everybody can do these big things. You know, they have families, they have responsibilities, but everybody can really work on being who they want to be, having their passions fulfilled and having that feeling of I'm, you know, doing me and I'm happy with what I'm doing because we can, we can always find the things that really fulfill us in our daily life. Whether it means it's our career or it's a hobby or it's whatever. And strangely, I think sometimes it's it's almost easier to make the big switch. And and I don't want to say run away from something, but run to something or to change something than it is to just have the conversation with someone and to speak your mind and be honest yeah. and to sit in that. And that's something that can really be intimidating, but it's that thing of, you know, if I just told my boss this, maybe, you know, but maybe I'll just quit and go sign something. Like, you know what? Just to sit down with your boss and go, here's what's on my mind. Right. What's and the worst that's that can the worst happen? You get fired? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't want to make light of that. Right. But the thing of, it's amazing to me how often we, the worst outcomes uh, are things just in our head. And when you finally learn to speak your mind in a respectful way and to stand up for yourself or to, to really identify what you want, that by putting it out there, you can actually start setting the wheels in motion to having it. Right. And, you know, you're right. I don't want to make light of, you know, quitting your job or getting fired because right. a lot of people, they can't afford to miss a paycheck. And my life has been that way for as long as I can remember. I mean, every paycheck is accounted for. Um, luckily, I have support from an amazing spouse and I do receive paychecks for what I'm doing now. But still, Money is always tight, and I couldn't just quit my life tomorrow and be like, well, now I'm going to look for a new job. Right. So I, I, I understand that people really get caught up in this, well, this is my life, like I have no choice. And that's why I always say, okay, well, if you can't change anything today, you can start implementing for changes down the road. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can be looking for jobs that maybe you really want while you're at your job right now. You you can start looking to see what meetup groups are in your area or what club sports you can do. You know, it doesn't matter if you're 70 Ninja years old. Ninja warrior. Right, do it. I mean, just do it because I think the, the saddest thing and the thing that I always try to think in my mind is five years down the road from now, will I regret this decision or I'll be glad that I did it? Right. And I always think that way because it helps guide me towards that ultimate goal of mine. And I think that people, even if you are living day to day, because it's a reality for so many of us, you still have to think, okay, well, down the road, where do I want to be and how am I going to get myself yeah. there? And, and how can I make things better today yeah. with my boss, with my spouse, with my kids? You know, is there something that I need to say that I'm not saying? Well, I believe that by pinpointing those, 
goals and those objectives, it unknowingly, it helps you get on the track mm-hmm. and helps you make those changes to go where you need to go because you mm-hmm. make a commitment to yourself. And, and that's, you know, it's, it's an important thing to do. Um, but it's very hard. We, we get so lost in our day-to-day lives and get so lost in the right now and the yesterday that we don't spend a lot of time looking for right now and tomorrow. Right. And, you know, this is something that I spent probably three years of my life dissecting every moment of my past. Well, during those three years, I could have probably been doing other things, right. you know, but it's just what people do, you know. And now in my life, I try to look at my past and I think about it as like seasons of a television show. I had the first couple seasons and they were something. They're there for me to look at and to recall, but I don't need to watch them every day because right. I'm filming and I have to keep looking forward to the the, the, new, the new episodes. Well, you have a great energy about you. Obviously, it, meeting you, you know why you're successful because I, if I saw you on set, I would have walked right over to you and felt comfortable to be able to talk to you, open up to you, and and I'd want you in in my world or as they're saying, tribe, you know, oh, right, last right, night, right, that was right. like the hot word in my tribe. My tribe. So we're fierce, right? It, it, it's, <laughs> it's very easy to see why right. you do well. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I want to give you the opportunity to let people know what, what's, what's coming up for you. What, how do people find you? What are they? American Ninja Warrior just wrapped, but we're going to have the spinoff show on USA. So it was team Ninja Warrior, but now apparently it's going to be called American Ninja Warrior Ninja versus Ninja. Uh, I'm touring, doing stand-up comedy. I'm in Edmonton um, next week. The uh, I don't know at matteisman.com. I should know my dates. I'm going to be in <clears throat> Edmonton, San Antonio, um, Denver, coming up, doing some corporate events. Uh, honestly, just follow me on social media, Facebook and Twitter. That's the way I, I keep uh, keep up with everybody. And I love I live tweet American Ninja Warrior. I live tweet Big Brother, and I love. Uh, interacting with fans, hearing questions, and I'm a fanboy. I'm, you know, again, when I was on Celebrity Apprentice or last night at the Emmys, I get so excited to see all these people. So if there are people who are fans of American Ninja Warrior, I'm more than happy to answer questions or, you know, draw the ninjas in, do whatever, because uh, I... I got into this business because I'm I'm a fan of TV. Isn't that why most of us do? Right. I mean, I'm kind of like a I'm a fanboy. I'm a TV freak. It's so great. My book is literally divided. My chapters are named after TV shows. I mean, because it's it's what makes me excited. So right. yeah, I mean, it's so great to like fanboy out and get excited about it those is. things, you know. And it keeps and I you hope real. Ne- yeah, and I hope I never lose that where you get jaded or you get bored. Yeah, well, it or keeps you real. Yeah, and you know, speaking of Big Brother, you know, I hear the Big Brother celebrity is coming out. So, what do you think about I'm, that? I'm a live feeder. Um, I've been watching since season 14 when my best friend became an EP, and the Hollywood Reporter reached out to me and said before they announced it the celebrity version you know and they they did this big thing on me and my fandom yeah and so as soon as julie chen announced it cuz i was in the crowd the week before <laughs> people are like matt eisman going to be on celebrity big brother and i don't i i don't think i'd do it for a couple reasons one i'm not sure nbc would be thrilled right. but two as hard as apprentice was i think big brother is a different level of that 24/7 scrutiny of, and as positive a guy as I would like to say I am, I could see myself having some meltdowns in there with some button pushers. Yeah. I think I would much prefer to watch it, but uh, it's you know it, it, we and we did a Celebrity Ninja Warrior, and we're we're going to be doing another one, and it was so much fun. With you know one of the things with our show is we made everyone look 
good. We weren't out there trying to embarrass anybody. It was for charity. And so this year, we're getting so many more people coming out. Now, I know Celebrity Big Brother, we haven't seen the cast, but based on you know the UK versions, people know... You're going in there and 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 you're going to be, you know, you're going into the wolf's den. Metaphorically and literally, you're probably going to be naked in front of everybody. So it's one of those things, I'm sure, that people with established careers are thinking, yeah. what's the upside? Right. So that's true. You know, there's a big right. downside. Yeah, I didn't think about that. You have a career. you like, well, I mean, you know, and look, I apprentice, you know, I, I, I you know, dancing with the stars, maybe. Um, but dancing the with is, the stars is like. I want to do it so bad. Oh. I just want to, if I could just make it big enough so I can get on Dance with the Stars, I'd be a really happy need guy. A fan base. Yeah, and you I need, need to lose weight. Base. So this is great. They I love know. the fat people they that come on. I know. They love so, a Hello, Dancing with Stars, call me. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I, I, I enjoy watching Big Brother and, and, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll do Celebrity Ninja Warrior. Well, maybe, maybe you could be a, a, a live correspondent or something. For, for I would love to. I'm sure, could, I'm sure NBC would be like, what the I know, F are I you know. doing? <laughs> We're your home. All right. Well, I have a couple questions I always ask yes, everybody to wrap yes. it up. So first uh, question is, tell me about a time in your life that you really screwed up or failed. And tell me what you think about that time now. I honestly don't have one failure. I, I, I think there are a lot of times in auditions, though, where I've gone in and I just went, I, in fact, I just went in for a show a few weeks ago. And again, I've been hosting now for over 12 years and I was so confident going in and, I, and I'd done my homework and I felt so ready to go. And I remember, though, the EP goes, do you have any questions? And I said, nope. And as soon as I said, I thought, wait, I think he was throwing me a lifeline. And then I auditioned and I just felt it in the room. It was off. And they're like, why don't you start over? And I was like, oh God, that, that never, that oh, never happened. Wow. And it was one of those ones where I felt the avalanche happening and I tanked and I tanked an audition and I failed. And I think the biggest mistake I made was not when the EP was there and he said, do you have a question or do you have any questions? Not to say, I would love to hear what your vision is. Yeah. Give them a chance to tell me what to do. Because in my mind, I'm like, I've, I've got what I want to do right. in my head. But, 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 but It's not about what you want. It's not about what I want. And to have, to have, it was almost disrespectful. And I think I caught that. And it was one of those feelings of, of then I was, again, second guessing myself in the middle of this audition. And it was this feeling of, oh, this is so, because I felt like I could nail this. And I knew I was blow, blowing it. And, and it was a fail. It, it was a failure and I left and I felt like a failure. And so I immediately wrote the notes down. I, I, I have a log of every audition, every meeting, every significant interaction, even if it's, I run into someone in there, you know, I'll put the down the person. <laughs> it is. And it, but it's been amazing to me how helpful it is to go back and say, oh, you know what? I met with this person five years ago yeah. and we talked about whatever, you know, we talked about a love of tulips. So I'm going to, you know, at least I'll, I'll know that. But I also now have this thing of, you know, this note. Anytime an EP asks you something, it's a lifeline. Yeah. Why do I not take, you know, it, it was a hard learned lesson. These things that, you know, 18 years into the business, you still learn this failure. Um, and the other thing is, I think that failure, you know, you can let it consume you or you can try to say, okay, I gotta, I gotta have that motivate me. Right. I gotta have it. And I see this on people on Ninja Warrior where they fall and we will see people on the course. They'll shoot their submission videos for the next year. Because they're so committed to using that fall to motivate them. Right. And so for me, I think it was rather than going home and crying, like I called to my agent. I'm like, I screwed up. I'm an idiot. I'm a moron. <laughs> okay. I feel better now. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it, was, it was a missed opportunity. And, and you, 
you you want to make the most out of every opportunity. So I tried to learn from it, um, but it was just that stupidity of the EP throwing me the lifeline yeah. and missing well, it. Well, and, and maybe it's one of those things that now you'll think, don't get to where you're going before you start the drive. You know what I totally. mean? Totally. Like you were there in your mind, totally. but you really didn't even like start the drive yet. So it, was, it keeps it in was check. Off. It was really, check. it was one of those ones where, and it was good. You know, I was, cause I haven't been nervous in an audition for a while. Cause most of the stuff has been hosting where I feel confident. Yeah. And it was a good reminder of like, you're not as good as you think you are. <laughs> well, like you think you're amazing, but it's a reminder of like, Hey, you can get humbled in this business. It's a balance between confidence and humility. Yeah, for sure. And you got to keep that. But, um, well, I think that's a good lesson for sure. So my second question is, uh, your ideal day, is it exploring a city, hanging out on the beach, hiking a mountain? Well, he's from Colorado, so I right. think I know where he's going to go. Or building a snowman? Um, so I just found this out uh, because I'd been touring. I'd been in Colorado. Um, I, I, I just did a show where we were exploring a city, and, and then I was in Hawaii. And I found for me, my ideal day was, it wasn't sitting on the beach. It was being in the water. Being in the water. And like just the the catharsis, the the feeling of renewal of being in the water and swimming, I realized for me, and and I guess it's different because for for me, I feel like my business is is so chaotic that that traveling a city um, feels like more stimulation. And right. sometimes I realize, and particularly because social media is such a big part of it, where I I, I want to be in the water. I want to be disconnected. When I get to the beach and I try to go once a week because I'm a very high strung person. Mm -hmm. If you met my mother, you have never met a human being who is a more of a nervous wreck. Right. And I, my whole <laughs> life, right. Oh, my whole life. I said, <laughs> I will never be like that. I'll never right. be like that. Every year as I get older, I find more things that I stress out about that are just silly and it drives me nuts. So I, I go to the beach because the minute I get to where the sand hits the water and the water washes over my feet, oh. My whole body just relaxes. And yeah. I think to myself, oh, it's like why people drink alcohol. Because, you know, you drink alcohol and you get that, like, wave of, like, calm. Well, you can do it without alcohol. Yes. Go to the beach. <laughs> Go to the so beach. So I get that because, you know, in L.A., I love L.A. It's the place where dreams are made. But it's a lot. It's a it, lot to go to the grocery it, store. It's a lot to get to the bank. It's a lot to do everything. It's constant constant chaos stimulation yes and it, and social media is even worse where you feel like you're constantly on oh, your phone yes. and I, like i'll close my eyes and i just feel my brain like Me pulsating too. yeah and that's why i love going to the beach and just it's, it's just trying to unplug and it's 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 funny though you know i look at the neuroses and i look at these things and people feel tortured and i'm like but at the same time that that you know, trying, you try to find the balance because it makes you responsible. It makes you someone who does things. It motivates you. And you find those, you know, when you, when you have these negative or perceived negative traits, you're like, but how can I use it to, to advance? And it's the balancing act. Yeah, it's it's where it's like, I make it, I make it so I'm, I'm on time. I make it so I'm, I'm motivated, but I don't let it consume me. And that's right. the balancing act of, of these traits that are, you know, yeah, good and bad that make I us who we absolutely are. Absolutely get it. Now, this is the question I get most excited to ask people because right. I love the responses and really think about it and make sure this is the real answer you want to give. What is your favorite theme song? My favorite theme song from a TV show. Yeah. Your favorite theme song. Uh, the greatest American hero. Believe it or not. Ah, Cause that was a great there. song. 
And it was also, you know, this, it, it was kind of the cheesiest show the cheesiest ever. Show. The show was okay, <laughs> but I really loved the idea of who could it be? Believe it or not, it's yeah. just me. And I think it's kind of this thing of, it, it's the message of you are your own hero. You know, no instructions. You got to figure it out, but you can be your own hero. It really is this metaphor. And I love Joey Scarborough. That's a great song. That's such a good question because there's so many good theme songs. They're supposed to be these fun snippets or these kind of short little songs that encapsulate a certain feeling. Right. And they do. And I'm you know, super excited because I'm going to have Mindy Cohn as a guest who was Natalie oh, on The Facts of Life. The Facts of Life and are all I mean, about learning the facts. Yeah, I'm going to talk about fanboying. I'm going to be like, oh my God, because my whole life I loved The Facts of Life so much because I loved the theme song. You take the good, you, you take, take the, the bad. bad. I mean, take it's, it's great. So, well, thank you so much for coming. I, I had, had a blast. great time with you and, you know, you were such a busy guy, and again, I said this, but he was at the Emmys last night. He has the American Ninja Warrior finale today, and here he is, like, coming down to my house, like, to do but the podcast. So honestly, I, I just love it. I appreciate well, it. You're a great guy. And I hope that, you know, this is the message I say to say yes to everything. The people you meet are so fascinating, and I always think in sharing my story and hearing your story, we learn from each other. People can learn from listening to us, and you know, we've seen it on American Ninja Warrior. First of all, nobody's on their journey alone. Yeah. And people get better together. Absolutely. And so, you know, we're all a, we're all a tribe. And I out I, here living the dream. Exactly. And I believe the more you raise people up, the more they pull you up with them. Yeah. And that's the the best thing we can do for each other, especially Absolutely. in this world that we live in of chaos and, and craziness. Yeah, be good to each other. la la <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right. How do people follow you? At, uh, at Matt Eisman, M-A-T-T-I-S-E-M-A-N. That's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, good, check me out there. All right. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, make sure to hit subscribe and rate, review us, and follow along on social media at LLTF The Podcast. I absolutely love getting to this podcast. It is so much fun and want to be able to continue doing it for a long time to come. But it takes a lot of time and money, and that's where you come in. If you think you'd like to donate... Check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash LLTF the podcast, or you can donate via Venmo at LLTF the podcast. Bye.